0: Welcome to FHOP Church, message of the week. We pray you are challenged by the word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. This is something that the Lord, he spoke to me at the beginning of the week, and I was pretty excited about, and, um, um, Oh, you have church center. Did you already put church center up there? Okay, we're good then. All right, that's just so everyone know, knew what it looked like and everything. Um, it was funny. I, I I meant to have these guys pull up this song, and I I forgot to tell them about it. But but I was a kid. Um, I watched a lot of Sesame Street. How many any Sesame Street kids in the in the house today? Can I get an amen? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and I remember when I was a kid, one of my favorite characters was Oscar the Grouch, because that guy was weird. And I remember he used to sing this song, and I played it for my girls this morning, um, because, and they were just kind of like, but by the end, they were singing it with me, and it was this song, that went, I Love Trash. Does anyone remember that song? He was singing, I love trash. It was like anything dirty or grungy or smelly i to go through this whole, of course, in his ostrich grasp I love trash. Um, and and uh, that's, I guess, if I were going to name this sermon this morning, it would be, I love trash, um, because that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Turn with me, if you will, uh, to Philippians chapter 3. Sorry, sound guys, I was supposed to say that earlier. I actually already started. So they're supposed to start recording when I say turn to... That was their code. Return to Philippians chapter three, and we're going to kind of we're kind of walk through Philippians. Now, the first thing you should know is when we're looking at Philippians, it's Paul. He's writing to the church um, in Philippi, and and uh, as you're as you're flipping to Philippians, you should know that this was Paul's favorite church that's what scholars tell us this was Paul's favorite church and this is what he writes in Philippians chapter 3 verse 1 we're going to kind of slowly walk through it and this is what he says finally my brothers rejoice in the Lord now let's stop right there how many have joy some of you are like like right now I do some of you're like "Mm, maybe not so much right now I just want to pause for a second, because when he's saying this, because when he says finally, what he's saying is, he says, he's, he's wrapping up his letter to the Philippians here. Now, I just want you to know that preachers are in good company with Paul, because here we are, we're halfway through the letter to the Philippians. This is Philippians chapter three out of four chapters. So we're exactly halfway in the middle of his letter, and he's starting to close like most preachers, in closing, and then they go another 30 minutes. That's what he's doing here. He says, finally, finally. And it's almost like he's saying, in conclusion, or let me summarize something. But what's crazy right here, when he says, finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord, you should look at what he just got done talking about. What he just got done talking about, the few verses before that, because, you know, this chapter 3 wasn't written in isolation. It's part of a, a bigger letter and the verses just before that he was talking about one of their other brothers in the lord that almost died he almost died and paul said you know what i need to send you back to philippi because you're on he like two or three times on there he's like yeah he almost died in fact in verse 30 it says for he nearly died for the work of christ risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me he's he's saying he said this guy he 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 almost died, but finally, rejoice in the Lord. Like, yeah, sometimes things are bad, but guess what? Let's rejoice in the Lord. It reminds me of what James says in James chapter 1. Does anyone remember what he says in James chapter 1? Should we go there for just a second? Let's go there for just a second. It'll be good. It's it's the Word of God. It's so good. In James chapter 1, some of you could quote it. If I can find it. Sometimes my pages stick together. It's right after Hebrews. In James chapter 1 and verse 2, this is what he says. Count it all joy, my brothers. What? When you meet trials of various kinds. Is that the kind of attitude we have? Like, oh my goodness, here's some hard times. I'm so excited. Can't hardly wait. I'm just waiting for the day where one of you pick up, like, because I get a lot of phone calls through the week about problems that are going on. Can I say, and that's fine. I love, like, we're going to deal with problems, but feel free to always call me when something great's going on, too. i'll I'll take those calls i just called to tell you that god is good and he's doing great things in my life and no and that's it (laughs) this is good but this is i would love to to hear this hey pastor i'm just so joyful today yeah what's going on there's no way i'm going to be able to pay rent but i'm just so joyful right it says can it joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, that's deep rootedness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's why you should count it joy. And so here we see in, in Philippians, we see Paul saying the same thing. He's saying, finally, rejoice in the Lord. I know all this bad stuff's been going on with your brother in Christ, but can I tell you something, even in the bad stuff, let's rejoice. In the Lord, that should be our default position to rejoice. In the Lord. Everyone say rejoice. Everyone say be happy. Then he says this, which I love. He says, "To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me, and it is safe for you." Now, how many of you have never heard that before? This is what I heard when I was a kid. This is what I heard as a kid. Drew get over here and the switch in hand you turn around right now how many times have I told you to not anybody else or was I the only one how many times have I told you I think I've probably said it to my daughter like how many times have I told you that you have to clean your room by the way, if Michaela asked to come over to any of your houses this afternoon, she can't because her room isn't clean. I know that's what they like to do, all the little church kids. Let's go over. To, no. How many times have I told you to clean your room? That room is a pigsty and, and no joy in that. But here, what is Paul saying? He says this, to write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and it is safe. You say, look, okay, look, I know we've talked about this, but I'm just gonna tell you again. And it's no trouble. It's no trouble for me. And guess what? It's safe for you. I know you guys, in fact, sometimes we come to church and we think, you know what, I've heard this sermon before. I I think it's because sometimes we need to hear it again and again and again. And again, in fact, what does scripture tell us? It doesn't say faith comes from having heard. It says that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right here. And so so for me to have to tell you guys again, and, and I've joked about this before, and you get a group of pastors in a room and they'll joke about this a ton, um, yeah, I've preached that sermon over and over and over and over and over. And maybe one day we'll get it. You know what, though? It's no trouble to me. And you know what? It's safe for you to hear it again. Well, I've already read that part of the Bible before. And even in your alone time, even when you're sitting and just sitting with the Lord abiding, what you should do every day. How many have ever been in one of those moments where you just can't get past a certain passage or even a certain verse? And it's almost like for days, you're just stuck in that verse. And every time you read it, it just hits your heart again and again and again and again. And the Lord is saying, you know what? I don't mind bringing you around to this again. It's it's not this, how many times have I told you? It's this, I'm going to tell you again, it's no trouble to me and it's safe for you. It's going to grow you because it's the word. And we believe that the word of God is alive and it's active. This is powerful stuff right here. And so it's no trouble for us to go over this again. And so what kind of things is he going to go over here? Well, let's find out. Let's go on to verse 2. He says this. He says, look out for the dogs. I I used to have a dog. He was a good dog. Um, Until he wasn't. Um, I had this dog named Miles. And... um, When we lived in Oklahoma just before we moved here, this dog, what we didn't know is, okay, so our neighbors were big partiers. They'd stay up all night just partying. And what we didn't know was that they were getting our dog drunk most nights. And so that when we moved to Arkansas, this dog had to detox. But he was a good dog until one night we had some uh, missionaries that, that came and stayed with us. And um, I was walking in my backyard and the missionary was following me and um, he was just here to help us do some evangelism and we had brand new house. I was a young, I was like, young guy, no clue, didn't even think about this dog, but it was storming a little bit, and I opened the back gate, and I didn't even think to tell the guy, watch out for the dog, because the dog was nice. The dog had never hurt anybody. But because it was storming, I opened the back. And I go running up it through my backyard into my house, and the missionary runs after me. And my dog thought I was being chased. And my dog bit the missionary. And I don't mean just a little like, I mean he drew blood. And I was just like, oh my gosh, we need to go to the hospital, we need to get stitches. I don't like this is a terrible, terrible. Like I felt awful. Here's this missionary. He's just come to serve us in our church, and and all I've given him is a dog bite. And uh, I'll, all I heard was, oh he bit me!" And I was like, "He's never bit anyone before. This is terrible." Four um, miles, and then then you know later on we had to put him down because things. But. Um, This is, this is, you've you've seen those signs. After that, I put a sign on my back yard. Beware the dog. Right? And right here, Paul is saying, beware the dog. Now, in this time, dog was a common term for the Jewish people to use about Gentiles, about non-Jews. They would refer to them as dogs. It was very common. What's kind of the irony here is what, Paul is about to talk about, he's going to talk about Hebrew people who think they're all that in a bag of chips. And he's actually reversing the use of this. Paul himself is a Hebrew. Paul himself, is, as we're going to find out, he's one of the, the most religious, best Hebrews out there. And he's actually going to use this term to talk about his own people, kind of flipping the use of the term on its head but why? Why would he do that? Why would he call his own people dogs? Well, he's not calling them all dogs. He's saying to look out for dogs. Well, which ones in particular? Because he didn't believe that that all of his people were dogs. Who in particular then? He says, look out for evildoers. And then he goes on to say, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Well, this is interesting. He goes on to say this, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Jesus Christ and put no confidence in the flesh. Underline that, put no confidence in the flesh. And I want to say this, let's, just a little historical background here. So if you don't know about this culture in this time, according to their religion at the time, according to the way the Hebrews lived, is that when a baby was born when it was eight days old. It would be circumcised. And that meant, hey, this is a Hebrew baby. And they would grow up in their religion. But, but something interesting happened. When Jesus Christ came onto the scene and the Holy Spirit was poured out in Jerusalem, later on, the Holy Spirit's poured out in Judea, Samaria, and later on, it's poured out to the ends of the earth. And so what we see is people who are not Hebrews are giving their lives to Christ. Okay? Awesome, right? Because in the room today, we have a lot of people who aren't Hebrews. That's a good thing for us, right? That we can get saved. But then this debate came up amongst the Hebrew leaders. Well, wait a minute. The first people who were saved were all circumcised. So now if some of these non-Hebrews get saved, shouldn't they also have to get circumcised? I'm going to tell you right now, that would really, really give you pause to think, am I really committed to this? <laughs> I'm a grown man, and you're saying that, that, that I, if I give my life to Christ, I'm going to have to go through a not-so-pleasant process what Paul is saying here is like he's saying, "Wait a minute! Whoa, 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 whoa! This is not about the religious law, because the law said, the letter of the law said, if if you became part of the Hebrew religion, that you had to get circumcised, you had to follow every little law." And what Paul's saying, he's saying, "Wait a minute." It's not about that. He's saying, we are his circumcision. We are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Jesus Christ. And we put no confidence in the flesh. It's not about what we do in the flesh. It's about our faith and what we believe. In, in fact, you guys know in Zechariah chapter four, verse six, maybe you've heard this. It says, it's not by might nor by power but by the spirit right and it got we try to get stuff done on our own a lot we try to do stuff on our own a lot how many have ever tried and failed before anybody uh hang on can everyone just raise their hand just because it make me feel better okay some of you are like zoned out and you're like why are we all raising our hand i said how many have ever failed before oh yeah yeah that's me okay i'm back i've got you all back now um We've all tried. We've all failed. And sometimes, even being well-meaning, we've tried to work stuff up in the flesh, and it just completely goes awry. I'm going to tell you something. The Scripture tells us it's not by might. It's not by power. It's not how good you can be on your own. It's by His Spirit. And we know this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. In fact, let's flip over to Ephesians real quick. It's just a few pages back from Philippians. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it's on. Page 1569. Um, two of you are using good Bibles. That's what it is. <laughs> the rest of you need to go out and buy new ones. Um, it says this it says, It's for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. It is by faith we are saved it's by grace we are saved through faith by grace alone through faith alone it's not your own works it's nothing you did it's not you know what i did all the good things and now god loves me because if it was that then it's about you and you can brag you can say look how good i am look how great i did i am amazing and that's what we actually see in verses four through six this is what Paul's about to say. Simply put, he's about to say this. Guys, look, I'm awesome. I am awesome. Let's let's read this about putting confidence in the flesh. He says, He puts no confidence in the flesh, but in verse 4, he says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. He's saying here is I I could have put some confidence in myself. And, and then he starts giving his, his resume. I mean I've ever had to make a resume before. Yeah, it's it's always funny when I have to help some of the high school students with their resume. Some of them are real timid to list some of their accomplishments cuz they're like, "Well, I just feel like I'm bragging." And you're like, "But you're supposed to. You want to get hired. You want to get you you want to get accepted, right? You need to sound awesome." And then there's others you read the resume and you're like, did you really do all of these things? I think you're stretching it a little bit here, right? Um, It's his resume. And this is what he says. He says, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. What does he say? He was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. And just so you know, Israel is God's chosen people. And the tribe of Benjamin, they were the super special tribe within those people. A Hebrew of Hebrews. He's like, I am not just chosen. I'm the chosen of the chosen. As to the law, a Pharisee. And these Pharisees, man, these guys knew their stuff. They knew the law. They were smart guys. They were the nerds of the Hebrew people. He knew his stuff. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. And that's what we know. Before, Before Paul came to Christ... His job was to hunt down Christians and drag them into court. And we see in other stories that he was actually there at the stoning of Stephen when Stephen was drugged before an angry mob, and they stoned him to death. And there was Paul holding everyone's coat, approving of the whole thing as it happened. So as to zeal, as as passion, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, Blameless. He said, I kept all the rules, guys. I was really, really good at it. I was really, really, really good at it. You could not find any fault in me. And when I when I decided to preach this, it's 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 kind of interesting because anytime you're talking to a crowd, You've got a lot of different kinds of things going on right and that's once i'm um, another plug for discipleship it's good to get in small groups so we can just talk about what's going on with you right um but when you're in a crowd you, you're you're shotgunning to everybody and hope you catch you know like i hope this is the word of the lord for everybody today but in the room today what, what i feel is we've got some people who are like you know what i think i am a pretty good christian I am a pretty good religious person. I do all right. I'm just going to say, like, I would never brag about it out loud to anybody, but I'm pretty good. And then also in the room today, we have the other side, which is if people only knew what I really was. If people saw the real me, I don't know if they'd even talk to me. Like, like, I'm ashamed. Like there's, I'm definitely not good enough. I've definitely been screwing up. I, I try, there's, there's a desire in there to do better, but I always tend to. And that's what we have in the room. And everything in between, everything in between. Those who feel like they're the cat's meow and those who feel like they're nothing. And this morning, whatever end you're on, this applies to you this morning because as i'm saying this about how great paul felt like he was what does he do how does he talk about his great accomplishments this is what he says in verse seven he says but whatever gain i had i counted as loss for the sake of christ whatever gain i had whatever benefit i had for being such an awesome person for all my good deeds they are loss for the sake of christ they mean nothing compared to knowing jesus and that's what he says next indeed i count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth i want you to underline that in your bible surpassing worth and this word surpassing worth it's like excellence like superior that like like There's nothing else that can quite attain that status. He says, I count them uh, everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of what? Of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. The, The most excellent thing is to know Jesus Christ. It's more important for me to know him than for me to do all the good things. To check off all the good lists like, well, I've been reading my Bible and I've been praying and I've been helping people. And I've been I've been doing all the good works, Pastor Drew. And I'm going to say, fine, that's great and all that you've been a good person. But all of it is lost compared to knowing Jesus. Because what he's saying here is if you don't know Jesus, well, what does he say about it in the next verse? Or in the same verse? He says, for his sake, for, for Jesus, for Christ's sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith listen to me this morning and some of you know this and some of you are hearing this for the first time but but I want to I point back to this for a second. Because he said, I consider all the awesomeness, all of my ability to keep the list and be great, I consider it rubbish. Now, now, rubbish isn't a word that you probably use much. When's the last time any of you said, oh, take that little bit of rubbish there and uh, dispose of it, please? rubbish isn't a word that we use um and i would say I, i've actually spent a lot of time every time i i preach on something i i i study enough that i could preach about five hours <laughs> but i don't but but on this there's there were so many good things that i wish i could just share to you today but i'll just i'll keep it limited here um but this word rubbish they won't translate it properly in our bibles because they're The actual translation is offensive. They found this word in other writings of the time. um, In in the original language, this is the word skybalon. I consider it skybalon. I count it as skybalon. Um, And it's a word that means refuse. It literally means throw to the dogs. Um, It was used in a writing, I don't know if you know this, but around 70... Uh, ad um jerusalem was attacked and i mean dead bodies everywhere they reported historians at the time reported that they they stacked up over a half million bodies outside the city and there became so many that they 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 just gave up on trying to drag them outside the city they said they started dragging them into mansions and just walling up the doors and just saying We'll just leave it like that. And the survivors were walking around, digging through cow dung, looking for sky belong to eat. The part that nobody wants. This word rubbish in our Bibles, or dung in some of your Bibles, it might say, more accurately translated might be the word Crap or probably more than accurate, is that S word that if I say, my mom's going to take me out after church and wash my mouth out with soap. It's so completely useless. There is no use for it. We throw it away. It's bad. And that's why Translator's like, well, we'll just make it rubbish because it's something we just kind of toss out. Can you imagine today if I went and got the trash can and just started handing out little pieces of trash from the trash and you get you get some trash and you get some trash and you get some trash Oprah of trash and you'd go home and you're like well pastor Drew was awful enthusiastic today about what about trash about the things I think is awesome You've, you've been there before when you've been in a conversation with someone who goes on and on about something that they're so excited about and you couldn't care less. Anybody? And you're polite. One time, I was actually at church camp and there was this older minister there and he, uh, he said, hey Drew, how's it going? And I was like, oh man, so good. And I started, I was, I was a young guy. I started launching into this thing and about five words in, he goes, I don't care and just walked off. And I was just like, I just thought for a second. I was like, well, maybe, you know, he's an older guy. He just doesn't have time for my crap. You know, you've you got to make the most of the time you've got. And he says here, he says in this verse, he says, For the sake of Christ, my Lord, for, the sake, or for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, that's all the great awesome things, and counted them as bleep in order that I may gain Christ. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to both sides for a second. For those of us who think that we're all that in a bag of chips, that we're the greatest gift of God on earth. As we were talking about last week, Christ came to be a servant. And the scripture tells us, it says though he was in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but humbled himself in the form of a servant. If there was anybody who had more ability to brag than Paul, it would have been Jesus Christ himself. And what did he do? He picked up the rag and the bowl and he washed the disciples' feet. But let me, let me go over on this other end for, for, for us who are like, and I don't mean it's this section, right? This is the section that's prideful and this is the section that, no. Um, I'm just walking, yeah. For, for those of us who think, you know what? I'm not good enough. I, I keep messing up. Like I haven't been living for Christ at all. Can I tell you this morning? It doesn't matter. Because Christ will meet you where you're at. Whether you think you're everything or whether you think you're nothing, the grace of God is what you need. It's not your works. As we just read in Ephesians chapter 2, it is by grace that we are saved it is by his grace and his grace alone it's not our own doing why so that i can't brag so i can't say you know who's pretty awesome drew's pretty awesome no 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 it's so i can say you know what you know who's pretty awesome it's jesus who's pretty awesome and i want to know him i want to know him and i'm going to tell you guys last night um I spent a couple hours on the phone with somebody who was just going through such a, such a hard time. And they had all these complaints and all this stuff. And I said, look, I get it. Your list of complaints, all the problems, in your life, they mount up. It's bad. I'll give you that. And my heart breaks for everything that you're going through. And there's a lot of things we could talk about to help with each one of these little situations. But if you take all of them and you set it aside just for a second, there's only one real thing that you need, and that's to put your eyes on Jesus to see him. Because it doesn't matter. If we fix all this mess right now, you're still going to have one glaring problem, and it's you. It's you. We like to think our problems are everyone else, and I get it. There's other people who, man, that cause problems in our life. But you can never change someone else. You'll never be able to change someone else. And if you try, you're going to live and die a frustrated person. There's only one person that you can ever have an impact on, and that's the person you see in the mirror every morning when you wake up. And that person you see in the mirror, they need Jesus. They need to put their eyes on Jesus and who Jesus is. And become more like him. And who was he besides someone who humbled himself. In the form of a servant to serve the people around him. Well then won't people take advantage of you? Maybe. Won't that make life hard? No. Because we're going to rejoice in the Lord. We're going to count it all Joy. As we face these hardships, why? Because I have my eyes on Jesus, and that's what it says right here. He says, "I've counted the loss." He says, "Why?" Um, let me let me go into the verse here. It says, um, "For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as as rubbish, as blank, in order that I may gain Christ, what and be found in Him, having a righteousness." Of my own that comes, uh, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God depends on faith. We sing the song, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What's the next line say? I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Have you ever seen these these guys on the news who get themselves lost, right? They get themselves lost, and then they have to send out search parties, and, you know, the plane goes overhead, and they see the people there, and they're like, I'm right here, you know, and they're like, What did they do to be found? Now they might have done some smart things like made a fire, a big SOS or something like that. But you know what? You know who found them was the people who were looking for them. It wasn't anything they did. They got themselves lost. Congratulations. The best thing you've done is gotten yourself lost. Now I can I can find my way out of this. Well, I'm going to say, how's that worked out for you so far? It's led to frustration. It's led to tension in our relationships. Guys, I've been there. I've been there. When you try to fix it yourself, when you try to find it yourself, but but when this scripture says to be found in Christ, that word found actually means like, like to find as in to actively seek and be discovered. This morning, the Lord, he's actively seeking for you to discover you. He wants to know you as much as he wants to be known by you, the God of the universe, the God who created everything we see. And it, guys, can I tell you, it's a beautiful day today, right? It's going to be gorgeous. I mean, uh, did you know the groundhog woke up this morning? And he was like, early spring, here we go. And I was like, praise God. I'm going to wear the white. This beautiful day that God has created that we can step into and just go, Wow. God, that God of the universe who's created everything that we see, everything that we know, wants to be known by you. He wants to reveal himself to you this morning. Why? What did Jesus say? He said, I came so that you could have life and life more abundantly. The scripture tells us, it says in the word of God that the enemy, it's the devil, it's the enemy who comes to what? Steal, kill, kill and destroy. And sometimes we see bad things that happen, and we're like, oh, I just don't know why God did that. Well, I'm going to tell you, God didn't do that. It was the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Christ said, I've come, that you might have life, and life more abundantly. Life to the fullest. Life to the fullest. And so, and and, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to, and worship to me if you could come. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read through all of the rest of this, but if we were to look at the rest of chapter 3 as Paul tries to close his letter to the Philippians. He talks about an end game. He talks about a goal. He talks about pressing on towards Christ. And this is what he says in verse 12. He says, I haven't already obtained this nor am i perfect but i press on to make it my own because jesus made me his own and this morning I, listen maybe maybe you haven't been in church enough maybe you haven't been faithful enough maybe you haven't done all the things paul saying i haven't done it either i haven't been good enough As great as I was, as awesome as I was, I wasn't good enough. But guess what? I'm going to keep pressing on to make Jesus my own because he's made me his own. He wants relationship with you. And so we see here very simply what Paul put his faith in. He put his faith in Jesus Christ. A Jesus that he persecuted people who followed him these people were saying you know this jesus this jesus was the son of god this jesus was the manifestation of god in the flesh lived a sinless perfect life and then died on a cross a bloody gory death the scripture tells us it says the wages of sin is death the payment for your sin is Death, but here was Jesus, the perfect man who never sinned, who never owned a death, and yet he dies on a cross. Why? To make payment for our sin. Because guess what? We can never be good enough. We never can be righteous enough. No matter how many boxes we check, we're still always going to miss One. And so Jesus dies and he takes the wrath of God, taking the sins of the whole world on himself and the wrath of God being poured out completely on him in our place. And the scripture tells us this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still jacked up, while we were still really bad at keeping the list, Jesus said, I will die for you. And then what does Jesus do? Three days later, he rises from the dead. And can I tell you this morning, folks, he's alive right now. Just as real and alive as I'm standing here this morning, Jesus is alive today. Proving his victory over death, over hell, over sin, and proving that he is God manifested in the flesh. And this is what Paul is saying. If you'll say yes to that man, if you'll put your faith in that man, if you'll follow that man, it doesn't matter how good you are or bad you are, it is grace that will save you. And so what Paul will say later in Romans, he'll say it really simply like this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. To save with the out, Jesus, you're my Lord. I surrender my life to your will and your ways. I will live my life according to your word. I will make myself a servant. Will you stand with me? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.